Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. So we have two esteemed panelists. Uh, Suzanne uh, Gordon, a VHPI senior policy analyst, and her work expands over decades reporting on healthcare programs, workers, policy, and has authored at least 21 books, uh, authored and edited these books. So Suzanne has written two books, The Battle for Veterans Healthcare and Wounds of War. I advise you to read these uh, to make sure you make them part of your lexicon, your library, your vocabulary. And she has with her Jasper Craven, who is a VHPI Interim Executive Director. And today we'll be talking about the definition of privatization. Uh, This has uh, been distorted in the fight over VA policy. Hello, hello, Suzanne and Jasper. Hey, how are you? Good, good, hey, good. Hey, how are you? Good. Hello, hello. Hi. So, so who wants to lead us off in this conversation about the uh, privatization definition? It's very careful how – we have to be very careful about how we define words, right? Absolutely. So uh, I'll start maybe and, – and Jasper will chime in um, – so uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but a number of years ago, um, the Washington Post fact checker did a, a, a sort of article about the use of the term privatization where people were saying that efforts to outsource and patient care and send more and more veterans to the private sector was privatization. And this woman said, no, it wasn't. Because privatization means that you literally close down the public service hmm. and 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 basically you know close the facilities um, and and farm them out or, or shift them out to a private sector company. So for for example, people are very familiar with this in in public services where a city will close down its its garbage collection department and and send it out to uh, a private company, and then the garbage trucks won't belong to the city anymore, the employees won't work for the city anymore, and so forth. And and that, and that she said that what's happening in the VA, where they're sending some vets, but not all, to the private sector, giving some money, but not all, to the private sector, and keeping VA facilities open with fewer patients isn't the privatization. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, privatization is a, and this is why we, we harp on this at VHPI, because, you know, senators like John Tester of Montana and Mark Ticano of California will sponsor and vote for, and Democrats as well, bills that um, send more and more patients to private providers and shift more and more tax dollars to the private sector, and they say they aren't privatizing. And that's just not true, because privatization is is a spectrum of activities, everything from literally, you know, closing down the VA, selling off the equipment, uh, firing on the staff, to... Uh, and then, you know, selling, a, you know, the Jesse Hines uh, property to a private hospital or real estate developer. 
that that's one end of a spectrum. But um, the you know the other end is sending more and more patients out, uh, which they're doing in the Veterans Health Administration, giving claims processing in the VBA, the Veterans Benefits Association, to private sector um, uh, companies. That's privatization, and charter schools are a perfect example of this. I mean, you don't shut down the public education system; you starve the, the system of resources and rig the choice. You know, you say you want people to have a choice, but you make the public sector choice so unappealing that people clamor for the private sector choice. Uh, and and pretty soon, yeah, the public schools may be there, but they're not there, you know, in the way they were when I was a girl and everybody went to public school except humongously rich people who went to private school, you know, right. the aristocrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's almost like a slippery slope, right? So the way you're describing it, even though the definition uh, can be viewed in a couple of different ways, uh, that the overall effect is that you're actually slanting it towards one uh, uh, particular potential model of, you know, full privatization at some point. And, yeah, yeah and Go ahead, Jasper. Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there has been a flurry of, of policymaking over the last six years, really, since this Phoenix, uh, you know, VA scandal, which in itself was sort of uh, misdefined. But um, policymaking has been based on a faulty definition of what privatization is. And if you're not able to correctly identify the terms you're using when you're making these massive choices, then the policy itself will be quite flawed. And um, there's no real um, acknowledgement of even even when the term is used correctly of what the effects of privatization are. The way it's defined is also generally seen as a positive one. Um, but, you know, all one needs to do is read reports by the VA's inspector general and you'll see that, uh, you know, contractors inside VA and many other federal agencies are routinely overcharging uh, for the services they provide, sometimes criminally overcharging for those services. They're often uh, less accountable. Uh, They're unwilling to share key medical information with the VA. And so, you know, I think broadly speaking, we need to both understand what privatization is and also reckon with the impacts of it. Yes. And then also, you know, one of the other issues that really is of uh, importance and that I was just thinking about that as you were talking, uh, Jasper, is that not all healthcare systems are created equal. So even if you have privatization, you may have a very, very um, safety net hospital versus a major academic institution versus, you know, another hospital that's in a suburban area. So the quality in, of the services uh, may be varying, whereas in the VA, at least you have a standardization across the system. Right, and there's nothing, I mean, you Congress can't hold private sector institutions usually accountable. It can't hold their feet to the fire. So, you know, um, one reason we know about problems in the VA is because it's accountable, it's transparent. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the one of the arguments against government is it's bureaucratic, it's impersonal, it's it's um it's it's 
opaque, you know, you, 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 it, it lacks transparency and accountability. And I mean, the, you know, the VA is, is, is remarkably accountable. I mean, I don't, you know, if I have a problem with my private sector provider, which I do on a routine basis, I can't call my congressman, you know, and ask for a congressional inquiry into the (laughs) fact that, you know, Sutter Healthcare just screwed me around unbelievably, pardon my French. Mm -hmm. But if the VA, you know, Mm -hmm. it it may take a long time. You may not get exactly what you want. You may think it's a pain in the neck. But, you know, you can call your veteran, can call their congressman and say, you know, I mean, a clerk was rude to me. I mean, Damon, imagine, I mean, imagine that you go to a healthcare provider and somebody isn't nice to you. I mean, and if I called my congressman and said, you know, my one medical, they had the clerk had a bad day and wasn't nice to me. (laughs) I mean, it would be a joke. But, you know, veterans routinely complain. Yes, yes. That they didn't get the respect they feel they're due. And people take that seriously. Oh, I had I had that I had that experience myself personally. You know, going to the VA, um, I'm always uh, greeted with a lot of warmth, a lot of compassion from the people who are working with. You know, I'm going to see and 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 the nurses as well. And I've gone to the private sector where they go like, "Oh, you're a veteran, sit over in the corner." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or and, they don't, or they don't even ask you if you're a veteran. Right, they don't right, need to right. ask you if you're a veteran at the VA because, like, they that's. The only people I care for. I mean, I'm 75 years old. I have never been asked by any healthcare provider ever if I was served in the military. How do they know I didn't serve in the military? I could have been a nurse in Vietnam. I could have been a nurse at Walter Reed. I mean, you know, and, and, and that's pretty well documented. They don't know you're a veteran. But I think that the issue of privatization, you know, between 2017, okay, so if this isn't privatization, then what is privatization? Between 2017 and 2000, FY 2021, the budget for the VA on private sector care increased by 223%. Get that? Wow. 223%. <laughs> the budget for in-house care increased by 12%. Ah. Now, that's called privatization, even though, you know, I mean, when you, I mean, I mean, in in one year in 2000, FY 2021, the the budget for private sector care was $18 billion, which is as much as they spent on the Choice Act between 2014 and 2017. Imagine how many staff, Mm -hmm. how much infrastructure repair I mean, if you're spending eighteen, twenty billion dollars a year sending money out, you know, to for-profit, largely for-profit health industry, I mean, you, you know, in four years, you, you that's like eighty billion. You could repair the entire VA. Yeah. In four yeah. years. And I, I, <laughs> I would just like to add to that that um, you know, another sort of problematic definition with privatization or assumption is that it saves money, but that's, that's not the case as Suzanne has just pointed out. I mean, right now we're, we're having this debate in Congress about how, you know, the VA's footprint needs to be smaller so that taxpayer dollars are saved. And, you know, we can't keep pumping all this money into the VA, but as these budgets are getting bigger, it's largely because of private sector care. Privatization does not save any money. That makes all the sense (laughs) in the world to me. (laughs) Um, but go go ahead, Suzanne. 
No, I was going to say I listened to a hearing uh, where Congressman Boss, the Republican from, oh my God, where is he from? Jasper, do you know where he's from? Georgia? I don't know. Where the Midwest. From. I don't know. Yeah. Or Midwest. No. I don't know. Anyway, he's a Republican, and um, he he was saying we can't, you know, we have to, you know, shepherd the tax bill dollar, taxpayer dollar. We can't just throw money at veterans. We can't throw money at these problems. And it's like, yeah, according to him, you can't throw money at it unless the money is thrown at the private sector. If it's spent in the if it's if it's spent in the private sector, it's not throwing. It's you know, judiciously using taxpayer dollars. If it's spent in the public sector, it's throwing money, you know. And I I mean, I I think as Jasper said, I mean, it's such a boondoggle, you know. Um, I mean, they're allowed to do as much as they want to veterans with no quality uh, control, no control over whether they have uh, expertise in veterans' problems. It, it's it's just a, a plain old boondoggle. I mean, it's a just a transfer of of money to um, to these elite systems that are only interested in expensive, you know, doing expensive procedures on veterans. They're not interested in you know, homeless veterans or veterans who have complex chronic conditions that need to be managed. But I I just think that, you know, the thing is that veterans don't like the P word. They don't want the VA to be privatized. So what they've done is this magic trick where they privatize and then they say, oh, no, 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 we're not privatizing because privatization means getting rid of the entire VA. And and what we're doing is, I mean, you know, is just giving people choice. But the reality is, is that if you're spending 200% more on private sector care and 12% more on in-house care, you're eroding the choice and then people don't have a choice anymore. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that um, I've been seeing going on in the private sector also uh, is that there is a, a marked move towards uh, trying to um, cut cost and trying to minimize uh, the importance of uh, some healthcare procedures that people um, actually need uh, because of the cost containment and trying to stop this rapid rise, as you were saying, to $18 billion is just that, you know, astronomical 223% increase. And so, so there is, you know, there is a need to, uh, be you know cognizant that privatization can uh, ultimately lead to the erosion of your benefits uh, as a veteran as well, uh, because in the private sector they may handle things a lot differently than you would have handled in a VA under a system that was constructed to take care of your problem. Oh, absolutely, and I, I mean I just think I, I mean one could go on and on on this, mm-hmm. and and. You know, but I just think that the American healthcare system is being, you know, it, it's always been based on profit, but it's being so, you know, corporatized that mm-hmm. um, it's it's like a joke. And I mean, I have great healthcare, and mm-hmm. you, you know, a friend of mine tried to find a urologist in the private sector recently, and it was a four to five month wait because this person is an older gentleman who just has sort of a routine, you know, enlarged prostate. And urologists are not interested in 
in that kind of patient. They want, you know, someone who can get a prostatectomy or, I mean, David, you know, the, the jargon and the operations more than I do. I mean, they want high-end, you know, procedures. And so you get a sort of lower score uh, if you come to them um with just a sort of chronic management problem. And I mean, this is just, it's unreal and it doesn't matter whether you're well insured or poorly insured. It's like, if you aren't a profit center for them, they're really not interested in you and veterans, you know, in the VA, I mean, you know, if this gentleman had been a VA patient, he would have gotten in in a week because they're, it's not fee-for-service. You know, they were paid on salary. They get paid whether you have a cold or, or whether you're, you know, dying of some fancy disease. Uh, right. It doesn't, it's irrelevant. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things, I, I was trained in internal medicine and uh, had a second residency I did in occupational and environmental medicine. And with the occupational medicine, it was a really a, a strong focus placed upon what was your workplace? What, where do you work and what kinds of exposures do you have? And what, you know, do, do you have things where you have repetitive motions at a computer or, you know, uh, are you working in a foundry or in a factory or in a steel mill or, you know, inside of a oil? Yeah. You know, so these things are really important to get uh, an idea of what your overall health is. And I implore, I always, you know, talk to, to general physicians who are practicing and say, you need to take an occupational history. And so when people yes, go, exactly. um, and, and this is, you know, really pertinent to the military in that you have people who are tankers, you have people who are in aircraft, um, you know, in helicopters, you have people doing all sorts of jobs all the way across the, the service branches, right? And uh, for someone who is in the office, they have no conception of what this person was going. Don't even speak the language, um, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and you can, you, I mean, I remember years ago I was working on a, can, doing observations on a cancer ward and a patient came in who had, I don't know, what kind of cancer, and she had problems of pain in her wrist. And, of course, the oncologist, you know, who was taught to think of zebras was thinking, oh, my God, she's got metastases in her bones or something like that. <laughs> and I noticed that she worked for AT&T, and I asked her what she did, and I don't know if she was some kind of clerk. And I said to the oncologist, you know, you might want to ask her about what job she does. And it turned out it was a repetitive strain injury. Oh, boy. Yes, right, exactly. And, and <laughs> she would have worked her up for, you know, I don't know. Pat, you know, scans and or scans. Or surgery and, or, you know, carpal tunnel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, whatever, you know. It's just, oh, no, she wouldn't have even thought of that. It was all, right. you know. Right. She, but I so, think in the VA, you know, they're, I mean, mm-hmm. they have a much broader public health. So, you know, what, what we're running out of time, though, we have, we have about one less than a minute to go. But I wanted you to give the locate, you know, the way that people can reach you. Um, and sure. find out more information very quickly. So it's veterans. If you go www.veteranspolicy.org, and I just want to say real quick, if okay. you go talk to your cong- congressional representative, I would avoid the word privatization. I would say we want you to stop outsourcing care to, to the private sector okay. and insource care to the VA. Oh, that makes a lot of sense from what everything what we were saying. Because then you, you know, then they can't get away with say, "Oh, I'm against privatization." You know, don't worry, I'm on your side. 
And we, we have got to get you back for a longer time segment <laughs> because this is uh, such a, an important, important issue. It's really critical to our veterans, especially those who've had injuries and who are getting, you know, VA care because of, uh, you know, combat-related injuries. And it's a camaraderie there also between veterans. We know how to speak to each other. And that, that will be lost as well if you go into a private sector world where you never see another veteran. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.